This show is brought to you in part by Temple Sporting Goods, powered by AdCraft. For more information on creating great gear for your team, contact them at 563-243-1304 or at templesports.com. Hey NAI football fans, this is Corey Thorpe here with another episode of the NAIA Ball Podcast. Um, I want to thank, before we get started, our friends at Temple Sporting Goods, powered by AdCraft. They do a great job over there of uh, doing prints um, and and uh, pop-up web shops, and we just want to thank them for their support and all that they do. We have Coach Terry Harrison here uh, this week from Bethel uh, in Kansas this time. I know um, you'll, you'll hear one dropping probably next week, uh, or actually probably last week by the time this gets out, of uh, Bethel, Tennessee. We're going to the other Bethel this time, Bethel in Kansas. Coach Harrison, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. Love what you're doing. Hey, it's our pleasure. So, um, Bethel has has had a, an, an interesting history since starting up in the uh, in the teens. Yeah. Um, let's 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 talk the the bad records real quick and get them out of the way first. Um, 2019 was a really really good year for Bethel. Um, it's been 11 years. Since your first, or since your last season over 500 as a program, it's your best season percentage-wise since 2007 when Bethel went eight and one, and the best um, overall season since 2006 when Bethel went nine and three. So, what changed for y'all? Uh, well, you know, we're in year two of a, um, we're in year two as a staff here and as a program and. You know, what you forgot to mention was the other 100 years of never winning more than three games. And oh, so... One to mention that. Yeah, we don't we don't hide from that. You know, it's been funny. So I was, um, you know, not to get, go too long on my history, but I was a high school coach for a decade. I was a head football coach at Wichita Heights High School here in Wichita, Kansas. And, you know, won a bunch of games. I think we won a program ride, run about 90% of our games, you know, from freshman to varsity level you know, multiple championships, all that good stuff, really good program. But, but more than that, I learned that from a really great mentor and Rick Wheeler, who's one of our state's legends in high school football. And so what happened was it, it kind of got to where it sounds bad, but we were winning so much. It was almost running itself and not easy necessarily, but you know, we had a good thing going and it was kind of taking care of itself. And so the reason why I came to Bethel was exactly what you just talked about. Just the long history of really bad football Other than three years, 1984, 2006, and 2007, other than those three years, Bethel has uh, just notoriously been not a very good football program. So the challenge to come was, can you win somewhere where no one thinks you can? And, uh, you know, that's honestly what I wanted to do. And so, you know, it was fun to be – we won three games our first year, lost several close ones. Um, And then this last year was our second season as a staff. So our first – you know, we're not even in a full – this year we think we're coming to our first real recruiting cycle as far as our program. So to be able to win eight games and we lost two tight ones that we probably should have won, man, we are just, we're just very excited about where we're headed and, and certainly proud of our second season. Coach, your offense was absolutely rolling at times in 2019. And, uh, you know, what we love about you is that you're a triple option team. Um, no matter where you go in college football – you know, the triple option mesh point football is just a, it's a rare breed nowadays. But when it's ran to perfection, like you guys did in 2019, it, it's absolutely beautiful to watch. So I have to know, coach, you know, what's your favorite, favorite play 
midline? Is it a beer? Is it a belly? Uh, you know, just talk about a little bit about your offense. Well, it, it depends on how they line up, you know, and that's the best part of what we do. Um, you know, we kind of take what people gives. I think what's really, what's really what's been really fun more than anything is it's kind of, um, you know, break the mold of what people consider the triple option. Um, you know, people think of it as so much of a, as a cloud, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust. And if you look at our statistics, we were at the bottom half of the conference in first downs. But we were the second leading scoring team in the conference, and number eight or nine in the country, whatever it is. So what that showed, we had a big explosive plays. And so what was fun is it was fun. We have really fast players. We have really good players. Um, and what's fun about us is we're not just grinding people out, even though we do have that ability. Man, we were big plays. I mean, just busting big, long runs, explosive plays. And uh, I think average 36 points a game. And it, it was just a fun, good group that really clicked. And, um, you know, we do return everybody, including, you know, we return our top 18, I think, next season. So we're excited to see what that group does. And now they're third and second and third year playing together. Um, but as far as favorite play, you know, I, I <laughs> it's hard to pick. I love, you know, I love it all, man. But, you know, obviously Veer is the easy answer. But uh, I am not scared to – You honestly, my favorite play is our play-action pass, if you're being honest. We – we ain't, you know, if you if you're gonna cheat up too much, man, we we air it out. We call ourselves the flex raid. We throw it more than most option teams. So I guess I'll go with that. Play action pass is actually my favorite play. That is absolutely the answer I would expect from someone who used to play quarterback. <laughs> well, yes, exactly. I should have thrown. I, I got moved to tight end because I didn't throw enough touchdowns. I threw too many interceptions, but I, I appreciate that. <laughs> Coach, and then another thing we got to hit on is those receivers. You know, it's, it's, it's funny. The guys we talk to around the KCAC talk about how physical your receivers are. And I'm sure to play for you, you know, your, physical, your receivers have to be physical because they could actually spring that touchdown block downfield. Um, but, you know, you, you only get so many opportunities as a receiver for you guys. Um, you know, I, I'm interested to ask, how many routes do your receivers have to even learn? Uh, yeah, we probably practice more than you would believe to be, believe it or not. You know, the, the hard part is like, and I tell this to our, our number one, we have great receivers, uh, Tanner Geyer, he's a six, three, 210 pound receiver who he has scored a bunch of touchdowns for us. He just doesn't go down. He get guaranteed one-on-one -on -one coverage, number one, which is awesome in what we do. Uh, we had a young man, Braden Francis, who's a Kansas kid who probably the fastest player in the conference, you know, he's undersized, but man, he's, he's so fast and explosive. And then, you know, Matt Hernandez and, and, and the other young men that, that, that play for us, uh, Deontay Edwards, actually one of my Heights high school kids is one of our receivers as well. But number one, those guys are extremely unselfish, right? And so, you know, it's funny to talk to people and they wonder, how do you get these great receivers to come play for you? And number one, we recruit high-character kids and we say, look, we want players that want to win. Um, and, you know, then the second part is we can guarantee you one-on-one coverage, which I don't think any other offense you can really guarantee. You know, the hard part has been – we've run the ball so well we, we get in these dilemmas on the headsets and like the third quarter you know you're up by 30 and it's kind of like i mean do you do you throw the ball or do you just you know it's like you don't even need to do it and we ran for 400 yards it's like you just take what you get you know and our, the coolest part is if you came and stood on our sideline you you would not see any bit of what people what you think you might get the frustration or the selfishness now the receivers you just don't see it our kids want to win um, Tanner Gallier, who's going to be a senior, the big 6'3", guy we get, which every coach always asks me about when we play him, he's the first one to tell you, like, Coach, I want to win. If we run the ball every play, I want to win. And obviously if he can help with catch the touchdown passes, he loves that too. So 
uh, man, whatever it takes to win. And obviously, you know, like every offense, it depends on what the defense is doing. But we practice an insane amount of combos. So, Coach, I, I got to know, um, because y'all are um, y'all are extremely young still. Um, you know, you're you're getting you're getting into the roster. Uh, last year, you only had a handful of seniors, um, and if I count right, you've only got about a dozen or a couple more rising seniors. Yeah. Um, how do you flip a roster to the flex button? Um, well, you know, the funny part, so we had a young man with an honorable mention All-American last year, our slot, Cameron Harrison, who's a very good player. He was a receiver we inherited. Um, and so, you know, he just, he looks like if you were, if you were to draw up and recruit the perfect slot, he is that. And so we were very fortunate to inherit him. Um, so basically what we did our first day on the job, the X and the previous staff was a spread team like everyone else. And their X and Y or X and Z receivers, they're two splits. We moved them to slot. And Gary Jolivet was the young man in 18. He, he graduated. But honestly, they were the perfect kids for that. Um, and then we moved another a young man named Street. But if you project as a slot receiver in a spread offense, you project really well for us as a, as a, as a slot in our offense. So to be honest with you, it's easier to recruit in our offense than it is in all these others, in my opinion, because you, you know, number one, there, there's a quarterback at almost every high school in the country that I can project and develop into a flexible quarterback and we can cater our offense to him. You know, for instance, we, we, uh, we inherited our quarterback, Zach Esau, who ended up top 10 in the country in touchdowns. He was a spread quarterback in high school in Kansas, played in a state championship game threw a bunch of interceptions as a freshman at Bethel in a spread offense and actually went down due to concussions twice. And now he's never, he's not missed a play of his career for us. Um, and he's been one of the top touchdown scorers in the, in the, in the country for the last two years. And we think it's just because we can adapt what we do. And it's why we throw the ball so much because we, we have this quarterback who can do it. So, you know, I, I think it's the most flexible. So, you know, flex bone, flex, whatever you want to call it, but it, it's the most flexible offense, I believe, um, that you can run to kind of cater to who you have. Hey, Coach, so here's one thing I want to ask you. Um, I'm a big offensive line guy, um, mm-hmm. and I really would love to know what your offensive line does as individuals. You know, what's a, what's a, what's a daily life like for offensive linemen during those 15, 20 minutes of individual at a double brush or practice? Well, we, we, we sit around and make fun of the defense for a lot. You know, we just kind of do that. <laughs> uh, one of the things that's really cool, and I challenge everyone to come watch us practice, is we are not physical at practice ever. And so most people think you're a flex bone team and you're just out there mauling each other. The hard, the most physical part of practice we have during the week is we have these 100-pound heavy bags, and we push those for 5 to 10 minutes on every Tuesday, I believe. That's the most physical we are. Other than that, the coaches, the scout team, we hit hand shields. Our guys get – so we're healthy going into the game. So our games are – on Saturdays, we're undersized in the offensive line, and we're playing big, good defensive players. Um, so we're not physical during the week. But as far as a typical practice, we do a lot – man, we work a lot of steps. We work a lot of um, pad-level stuff that's non-contact. Um, and then obviously make sure we teach our guys how to block every front for every play so that, you know, our kids are always prepared. And, and that's why we've been so successful because we do a lot of mental work during the week. Coach, let's talk about that defense uh, for a little bit. Uh, you've got some some good players coming back that were KCAC All Conference. Um, mm-hmm. Some at every at every level there. You've got uh, Carvin Diverge there, who um, 
you know, racked up eight and a half sacks. Um, you've got Josh Seabolt anchoring your linebacker core who picked off two balls and tackled 101. And Dominic Brown who picked off five balls uh, to go along with two and a half tackles for a loss. And then you've got your your returner, Trey Palmer, who himself had three interceptions as well as a, a couple of uh, kick return touchdowns. Um, talk to us about your defense a little. Yeah, no, we're really excited. So in the end, what we the one starter that we're not returning was our nose guard, and his name was Joseph Winfield. And just honestly, he was the leader and the the, the guy on our team that just was such a steady force in the locker room. So we are, we are going to miss him, and I don't want to understate how hard that is going to be to replace his leadership. But beyond that, that, that's the only player we're losing that played significant amount of time. And so the guys you just talked about, Carvin is a – He's a, technically a sophomore, but he was a JUCO redshirt kid. But, I mean, he's a 6'2", two, he's weighing about 240 now, but athletic, very long arms, good player. Um, so he, we anticipate him to have an even better season. Um, Trey Palmer's a great cover corner, and, you know, Don Brown, those guys. One of the things we did, you know, we talk about winning, you know, eight games instead of three. The hardest adjustment going from high school to college, and I told you I was a high school coach, was not offense. It was actually – very easy to transition me personally offense to to college because you know you can only line up so many ways and we do what we do defense was so different um you know in high school one week you're playing the i formation the next week you're playing spread then you're playing a dead t team now you're playing a wing t team it was a different game honestly coach kemp he's like my brother man defensive coordinator we made a huge jump schematically because it really is, it's what I tell all my high school friends. They ask, what's the difference? It's just a different game. It's not even defending offenses in college. It's just a different game. And it's not that it's better by any means, but you just have to say, you can do some different things on scheme that for what you see. And man, those guys did a great job of that. You know, Josh Seabolt, who you mentioned, was a two-time state champion wrestler in high school in Kansas. You know, he's on track. I don't even like saying this. He'll be mad at me if he listens to this. <laughs> Josh Seabolt is on track to be the all-time NAI leading tackler in the history of NAI football. He's played every game since he got here. He's a, I mean, he gets a bunch, bunch of tackles every week. So if he continues at the pace he's at, he's going to retire or, you know, finish his career at Bethel as the leading tackler in NAI football history. So that kind of speaks to the type of winner and tough guy he is. Coach, I'm going to let, you know, Corey end it up. This is going to be my last question for you. And, uh, you know, the conference you guys are in is just, it's, it's so interesting to me, you know, it has so much history from, you know, the, the first college football game being in the state of Kansas was Baker, you know, who's not in your conference, but was in the conference, the KCAC versus, you know, the Kansas Jayhawks. And there's so much, just, you know, just so much history that goes along with it. But then, you know, the KCAC is the one conference where it's so much pride in because everything is so localized there. You know, your travel is just so different compared to, like, um, you know, a, a team from South Florida having to go all the way up to Kentucky, you know, yeah. maybe back-to-back, where, you know, you guys might take an hour bus ride somewhere and get ready to play. Can you just talk about just, the, just you know, how unique it is playing the KCAC, just how, you know, close it is to, you know, opposing teams and how, you know, it, it builds up just those natural rivalries. Yeah, you know, you, we've got some games. You were even shooting it short, man. We've got some games that are 20 minutes. You know, Friends uh, University, yeah. Wichita is 20 minutes. I, I, li- I actually live closer to Friends than I do to Bethel just because I was a Wichita guy my whole life. But, you know, so 
um, yeah, that, it is unique and it's and it's really cool and it makes for some very storied, you know, um, rivalries and you know a lot of local Kansas people or they went to these colleges and so there's a lot. The cool part is, I think it's the most fr- the cool the coolest and the most frustrating part of being in our conference is all those guys that are outside the conference don't understand how much support we get here. Our games, they're fantastic games to watch. Uh, a lot of support for all teams. I, you know, selfishly, I think Bethel has the most support community. You know, I was very impressed by that, not knowing when I got into it. But it, there really is pride in these towns for the college because there's so many alumni in the state because it's been over 100 years that these colleges have been here. Um, but I think it does make it unique. You know, definitely good on the travel budget, right, when you're only taking a bus and not staying overnight and flying or anything. Um, but the other deal is, you know, one of the things that I, that I have to mention you know, I, I think the KCAC is at a spot where we're nationally relevant. Um, I think the saddest thing is that we don't, we're not getting two two teams into the playoff guaranteed. Um, you know, you look at us. We, you know, we lost thirty-one to sixty-one week eleven against Kansas Western, who's obviously had a great two-year run, just such a good program and a good team. Um, and then the next week, they beat Baker forty-two to seven. Baker was in the national championship game a couple years ago. You know. Um, so I think hopefully my hope is, you know, because coaches vote these vote vote for the playoff spots. Um, we're at a spot, you know, Avila University, for instance, they, um, you know, they almost beat Kansas West in the last two years. Been very competitive. They were eight and three as well. Sterling's always in the top, you know, and I think we're at a spot now where KCAC getting two teams in the playoffs. We are going to be a competitive week one matchup. And, I, and that's our goal here at Bethel. Number one, we want to win a conference championship and just get into the playoffs. I think we're going to be a bad matchup for somebody. Um, but I can also tell you the KCAC has improved dramatically. I played in 2004, um, and it's just night and day, the level of talent. You know, some of that's probably social media. Some of that is scholarshiping. Um, but it is at a spot now. You know, obviously Kansas Wesleyan playing in the semifinals a couple of years ago was really good for us. But, you know, the fact that those guys were really a touchdown away from being a national championship game, and we are playing in com- them competitively week in and week out in this conference – um, I think it's just good for the KCAC, and you know, my hope is that um, I was a high school coach, and so the, these guys that are across the country and the national Raiders, um, man, we we are deserving of a second playoff spot, and uh, man, we'd love to get on the road and go play somebody if we happen to be the second person in or or whatever that means. Coach, before we let you go, um, what has been the message uh, that you have been preaching to your team, um, you know, at, at home? Um, you know, during during all this uh, Corona uh, virus stuff that's been going around there, um, how have you been preaching to them about sustaining success? Yeah, you know, it's funny. We were I was on this, I was on one of our first Zoom meetings as a full team right before we we got on the phone here. It's been it's been difficult. You know, it's uh, our biggest focus was making sure they stayed on track academically. You know, you, you, we have kids from all over the country, like a, like all of our pro, all the programs do in the NEI. And um, you know, some kids have better internet access than the others. Some kids have better resources than the others, or not. And so, honestly, the, the the coronavirus, the biggest fear was that you know they lost the academic interventions and the resources that we have on campus. Our guys, I'm proud to say, we had the best GPA that we've had since I've gotten to Bethel this semester. And so they did they did that a great job of handling that. And, you know, now that um, the coronavirus, you know, the restrictions are easing up in local areas, gyms are opening up. What we challenge our kids to do is, look, you're not in shape. You're just not. There's no way with how this has went on that you're in shape. And our goal is to make sure those guys ease themselves into shape when they get here. And I think the biggest challenge is as coaches, 
you know, we're going to have to be very responsible uh, when our kids get back uh, to, to ease those guys, you know, not, you know, not show up and have crazy conditioning tests and try to prove a point, right? We need to be responsible, take, you know, put their health first. And luckily, you know, I know the coaches in our conference, uh, we met as a conference coaches, um, the coaching staffs at one point, everybody's aware of that. And I know our conference will handle that great. There's just so many good coaches in our conference who, who really care about kids. But the cool thing, what we talked about in our last meeting here was that this is, you know, likely we're going to be ranked in the top 25 or at least receiving votes going into the season, you know, being the success we had and only losing one, one starter. It's just a great opportunity to enter the re, enter the season with some expectations, which will be new for our program and just the, the challenge that provides and, you know, going from being the underdog to, to someone who's expected to win week in and week out. And, um, you know, I have experienced that as a coach. Um, but it's going to be really cool for our players and our college to to kind of embrace that, you know, not so much the underdog role, but now the the relevance, and um, we're just excited for that challenge. Well, Coach, we are excited to see some KCAC football. Heck, I'm excited to see any football, for that matter. Um, <laughs> you're, you're, not, you're not alone. Everybody is, I think. Uh, right? I hear that. Uh, but we're excited to see what Bethel does this year and see how the KCAC shakes out. It's it's going to be interesting uh, no matter what, and um, we'll, we'll, see what we, we'll see what we get. I have, I have high hopes for some good football going on. Well, hey, here's my challenge to you, man. I know we're a long way away, and you guys are, you know, you're doing your best to make this thing happen. Um, you you would be surprised if you were on campus for a home game. You know, we we advertise it as the best NEI home, the best NEI recruiting experience, uh, game day game day experience that you'll ever take part in. And that'd be my challenge to you guys. If you love Flexbone and you want to experience a great game day atmosphere, you guys are more than welcome, and uh, you can uh, be on the sideline and call one of our six plays whenever you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate you guys thanks so much for promoting our league um and i know it's uh it's, it's it's only growing you're gonna have to start a women's flag football podcast you know that's next Dang um, right. but uh we are we're, we're pumped as well and i appreciate you thinking of uh, bethel college here in kansas and man we would uh, like i said love to have you guys around and appreciate you guys following us thanks coach all right thanks guys hey guys you just heard coach terry harrison of bethel kansas and uh we're gonna move into our KCAC preview show. Yes, I know it's June. Um, we got a lot of conferences to preview, and I think this is going to be a fun one to start with, John, because um, the candidate to, to win might not be who has taken the conference by storm. Right. You know, KCAC, we just talked about with Coach Harrison. Um, you know, you got the natural rivalries. You got some games that are only 20, 25 minutes to travel to. No one wants to win this conference. You know, excuse me, no one, you know, just the passion that's just inherited in this conference, the passion that's just naturally developed is just, it's kind of almost unmatched. The only thing you see something similar is in the, you know, the mid-states that, you know, with the Indiana team. But, uh, you know, I'm really excited to talk KCAC tonight. Yeah, I, um... Let's let's just do a review really quick. Um, this is kind of kind of what I I look at a little bit and I um, put together after last season. Kind of uh, a little bit of a different take on returning starters is returning all conference nods. Um, so from bottom to top, 
Uh, Tabor returns one. McPherson returns two. Avila returns three, as well as Ottawa. Sterling returns five. Kansas Wesleyan returns six. Southwestern returns seven. And Bethel leads the conference with eight returning all-conference players. Um, that's that's really interesting. I I hate saying that Kansas Wesleyan is not going to be good because I know they are. They're they're um, their their team chemistry, their their character of their of their guys over there, it, I don't think is going to make them drop off that much. Corey, I'm not going to waste anybody's time today. I'm going to go ahead and beat you to the punch. I want to name my conference champion oh, snap. the AC right now, and the conference champion for next year is going to be the Auburn Eagles, Corey, and you know why. You know, they had a really underrated year. They really didn't get the spotlight much last year out of the KCAC. You know, they went 7-3, had a solid year, and they were the only team to take Kansas Wesleyan to the distance. You know, they lost one point, 48-47, and I think they take the Coyotes this year in that spot. Um, they're led by John Jacobs. He's a transfer from East Carolina. Um, he's going to be in his junior year over there. And, you know, he has a fantastic arm. He's very precise in his, you know, his throwing and whatnot, great fundamentals. And then his, you know, his leading receiver is back as well with Devin Sanerius. So I, I, I have Avila coming, and their defense is going to be improved. You know, they, they kept the staff together over there. And I, I, I got Avila winning the KCAC. I'm just going to go ahead and get it out of the way. All right, well, then I guess I'll get mine out of the way. I, uh, which probably will not be as much of a shock, seeing that I'm the one who schedules the interviews, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and take Bethel. They've just got so much returning, and the fact is is that most of these KCAC teams, that's the only flexbone team, the only triple option style team they're going to face all year long. Most of them aren't going to be facing Bethel off of a bye. Um, you know, that's not a lot of time to prep for uh, for your defensive line to, to, you know, deal with those cut blocks. And um, with that offense, which is a, a trifle different from anything else you're going to get there. And I think, I think they're going to be really good. Um, my second pick um, for for number two, I'm still going to go with Kansas Wesleyan there. Um, like I said, that culture is just too good to fall off too much, but I think there's enough cracks in the armor after you lose Photo, Pruitt, Poe Evans, McCauley, Carmack, uh, Eli Smith and Daniel Fletcher on the line, Shaq Bradford on the edge, and just people all over that defense. I think it's just a little much for them to repeat. And they're going to attack me, aren't they, John? Absolutely. You know they are. Uh, and, you know, we're big Kansas Wesleyan fans, especially yep. for a team that, you know, definitely proved us wrong last year. And, you know, KCAC just has great football going on mm -hmm. right now. And um, I think the thing about Bethel, Corey, is, you know, can they win all the games that they're supposed to win? Um, that could be, you know, 
something that hurts a triple option team every now and then where, you know, it might not be clicking all cylinders, you know. The quarterback might be having trouble, you know, uh, making his reads. And, or the offensive line may be having trouble with the officials trying to get away with cut blocks and they're being petty with them. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's really going to be interesting to see, especially, you know, Bethel could have ended up better than they were last year. They had a loss against Tabor that uh, they should have won, you know, on paper. But, like you said, Bethel returns a lot. Um, you know, Kansas Wesleyan has to reload. But, you know, what we like about Kansas Wesleyan, Corey, is, um, you know, their coaching staff. They're, they're keeping a good nucleus of that coaching staff. And, you know, Corey, honestly, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I think it's a 14 race out in the KCAC. Um, you know, you got, I got Avila in second place. I got Kansas Wesleyan with Bethel right there. But then you got Sterling, too, that could definitely make some noise. Um, their defense was pretty nasty last year. They were top five in all the NAI in stacks. So they could put huge pressure on a quarterback. So Sterling with uh, Coach Hansen over there, they're going to be really interesting to watch. But I think a dark horse that, you know, kind of made of an appearance last year was uh, McPherson. They finished five and six, but they are really competitive in some games that no one thought they should be in. And, uh, you know, they, they even had a little winning streak there in the middle of the season where people were starting to, you know, take notice. They had a, you know, they had a five-game winning streak, and it seems like they just couldn't keep consistent. They started out slow, and then they ended slow. But uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see with the KCAC. I actually agree with you. That's who I'm going for uh, with my dark horse pick as well as McPherson. Um, there were there were a couple of times last year where they uh, they surprised us in in a good way with how well they were playing. Um, you know, I really look forward to seeing what they can do with their consistency. Um, to yeah, make Corey, and, and a lot of people forget they opened the season last year. You know, losing to the uh, you know the the Langston who was conference co-conference champions in their conference in the Sooner Athletic Conference. They only lost to them by one point. Yeah. And most of the other games were competitive. Now, they had some games they had no excuse losing, like Bethany shouldn't have been a loss for McPherson. But, you know, they showed they were competitive in every game except for that Kansas-Western game. Yeah, I, I think I think the Bulldogs are, are going are gonna to do big things. Uh, I think they're going to give somebody a run for their money. Don't count out Southwestern. They've like I read off earlier, they've got a lot of returning uh, all-conference nods. Uh, they could give someone some serious trouble as well, be a thorn in somebody's side. Um, players to watch. The, the big one for me, um, I'm, I'm going to uh, you know, give a nod to our friends at NFL Draft Diamonds. They do a great job with small college coverage as well. They cover... Um, all of your levels of smaller college, whether that is uh, FCS, NAI, D2, D3, they cover it all. I don't know how they do it because it's 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 a whole lot of fun doing what we do, but there's a lot of thinking in this too. Um, they have pegged Kansas Wesleyan's wide receiver Stevie Williams as one of their players to watch this year, um, especially in terms of the draft. So... Uh, we'll see. Kansas Wesleyan's going to have to replace a quarterback, uh, but I have no doubt that they'll be uh, that they'll have an offense that that um, you know goes on all cylinders pretty soon. 
just looking forward to seeing if you know Kansas Wesleyan because they're one of the few conferences that don't have divisions. If they could sneak a second playoff team in there, um, you know Kansas Wesleyan gave the conference respect last year with their playoff run. Uh, I'm eager to see if they can capitalize off of it. The conference can, but uh, yeah, I definitely think it's a four-team race right now with uh, Avila, Kansas Wesleyan, Sterling, and Bethel. And uh, you know, I, I, I think those four teams definitely have an argument of who should be number one. And I know Kansas Wesleyan fans are going to be at the face red right now. Why we wouldn't pick them? Um, but you know, why would you complain, guys? You know, that, that seems to be your mojo is uh, going against us. And it works out for you. So we're, we're excited to see what happens. So let's let's indulge in a little bit of speculation here. Um, what has to happen for the KCAC to get that second playoff team? Who are you well, who, who are you taking out there? You know, you look at it's going to be tough because you looked at the Mid South Sun Division, who had two teams with only one loss last year. And only one got in. That means that you know the team that got left out, you know, would have had to gone perfect to make it in. Um, what's really going to happen, have to happen, is you know, one of the teams will probably have to finish the regular season undefeated. With the second place team, you know, their only loss could be that number one team, and probably a very close game. Um, the NAI, this the playoff system just doesn't work well for teams without division. Um, so that you know, you're going to have to have a team that's perfect and a team that's just very close to perfect. But I think those four teams, I don't think they're going to really eat each other up. There's going to be separation there. We just don't know yet. Um, but I, I definitely do think there, there's a shot at getting two. Kansas Wesleyan shows you can run the table in the KCAC. You just have to have a second team come pretty close. I think if you're gonna ha- if if you're gonna take someone out, and I'm I'm looking at it, um, it's almost got to be the G Pack, doesn't it? I mean, because we right, yeah, you gotta have a second place team either beat out the Northwestern Morningside loser. Right, exactly. Um, the, the, the Sooner Athletic, which you know, just it, they're kind of the same boat as the KCAC, very disrespected. Um, you know, sadly. They're only going to get one team just because off a of perspective. So the team that you need to hope loses is that Morningside North, which Morningside has dominated the pack with Northwestern always coming very close. So if history repeats itself, you need Northwestern to lose that second game. Right. I, I and and in the G pack, I think I think um, if you're a KCAC fan, you are rooting for Dort all year long because I think Dort's going to be. You're the thorn in the side of, of GPAC teams. Right, absolutely. And, you know, there's a couple that goes go that way. You know, yeah. Briarcliff was well improved. Um, so, it really, it, you know, really what we should start is a game of interest for the bubble watch, you know, after week four or week five. Um, but, uh, you know, but that's what's got to happen if the KCAC is going to get two teams in. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to have to root for root for a little bit of chaos in the G-Pack because I, I just don't see I, I don't know that you're going to get the chaos in the bluegrass that you would need that's or or the mid-states mid-east right 
Corey, you know, one thing we need to talk about before we get off, and, uh, you know, it, it might be a sensitive subject, but, uh, you know, it's got to be talked about. St. Mary's and Kansas. They got a new offensive coordinator last year, or this year coming up, but will they win a game? They went 0-11 last year, Corey, and they had that infamous 90-0 loss to Kansas Wesleyan. I think they win one. I'm just pulling it. I'm pulling it back up here real quick just to see where I could slot it. Got to find that. Uh, Got to find that again. I I think they do. Um, you know whether whether you're looking at um, you know maybe maybe getting getting off the Schneid against a non a non conference opponent. Um, or whether you steal one um, from like Ottawa or, or Tabor. Sorry, guys. Um, you know, I I think I think that I I think they get off the Schneid. I think their best chance is against Bethany. Um, mm, or, yeah, or, or Bethany. There. You're right. But you know, I I think it, it would be good. I think they they would be considered the Cincinnati Christian. Rest in peace. This 2020. So you know, Casey's AC is going to be all interesting to watch, and uh, you know, I'm just excited for it. I am too. We will we'll we'll see what we get. Um, we'll we'll be lining up more interviews here and doing more of these preview episodes as we continue the march to late August, early September, guys. Um, so look for. Some longer podcasts from us coming up as we try to pair those with with a coach um, out of that uh, conference or out of that division. You got anything else, John? Nope, that is it. We will see you guys again soon. All right. Y'all take care. Hey, guys. Corey here. If you enjoy our show and the coverage of small college football we provide, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash NAIFball. In doing so, you help support small college football media coverage. For the next 20 or so $3 patrons, we will send you a limited edition holographic NAIFball sticker. These are gorgeous, and we only have a limited amount to send out. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash NAIFball and become a patron today.